anybody ever, and listen, it's just like the entirety of internet, you can find some really bad stuff, okay? But has anybody ever been on Reddit before? Like if I say Reddit, do we know what that is? It's, it, it has all sorts of things, but really it's just like this giant discussion forum. Um, and, and so as I'm studying for sermon this week and I'm, I'm looking at uh, this story that we're going to talk about today with Paul, I'm kind of coming, trying to look for uh, these different stories about where people were just punished for whatever reason for doing the right thing. Uh, and I came across this story and it, it was from this uh, young man who worked the front desk of a hotel and he was put in a really compromising position. He had a young lady come in one night and uh, he could tell that she had been recently crying. Uh, her makeup had run, her eyes were red and puffy and um, she wanted to, to get a hotel room for the night. Now she had cash to pay for the room, but she didn't have a credit card to pay for the incidentals. And the hotel policy there was, hey, if you don't have a credit card, you don't get a hotel room. It's just how it works. Because anything goes wrong, you know, you have that credit card that is kind of the safety uh, for the hotel that protects them against damages. And, and he noticed this woman, he, he'd seen that she'd been in tears. He saw the runny makeup. He saw the red and puffy eyes. And he also noticed uh, what he called fist-shaped bruises on her bar body. So regardless of the policy, he decided that he was going to give her the room for the night. He took her cash, he gave her the room, put her up for the night. Everything went fine. There was no damages to the hotel room, uh, but he did not follow hotel policy. When the owner of the hotel found out, he terminated the employee. Now, that is one of those situations where the consequences don't really seem to match up with the action. This young man had a heart, saw a need, and decided that he would meet that need regardless of what the policy had to say. He wasn't questioning the validity of the policy. He wasn't saying that that policy shouldn't be in place. He just saw a greater need that he felt outweighed that policy. And so he decided that he was going to meet the need for this young woman. And he was fired. And even after the situation was explained, the owner still decided uh, to, be, to terminate him. And I would argue to you that he did the right thing. A hundred times out of a hundred times, I think somebody should respond in the way that he did. The consequences really don't match the action at all, but uh, that happens in life, unfortunately. He should have been applauded for having a heart. Instead, he lost his job for doing good. How does this relate? Well, Paul was jailed a number of times, okay? He was jailed a number of times uh, in his life, and we see a number of stories in Scripture where Paul was actually writing to different groups from jail. And this happened because he decided that he would follow the will of God in spite of the possible consequences. He chose to do good regardless of the reaction to him. As Christians, I would argue that we need to be able to do the same thing, to have the courage, to have the backbone, and the moral fortitude to say, I am going to do what's right even when the consequence may not be fair. If we look in Acts chapter 16, 16 through 24, it's one of the instances when Paul finds himself in jail. This is what it says. It says, once we were going to a place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling, and she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. Seems kind of like a good thing, but we'll talk. 18, she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed 
that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Christ Jesus, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Here's the thing. We must do what's right even if we will be punished for it. We have to do what's right, even if we will be punished for it. This is one of those really interesting stories with Paul, where when you first read it, you, you get the impression that maybe Paul wasn't such a nice guy. Uh, at least it's kind of how it struck me. Now, Paul had a very dark background, and so there's a possibility that there were some lingering effects of that. But uh, he exercised this demon, right, which in and of itself is a good thing. Uh, but then scripture says it only happened once he became annoyed with her. <laughs> and so I'm reading this since like Paul exercised the demon, good, but only once he got annoyed with her. And I'm thinking, hmm, maybe he should have thought of that before he got annoyed, like just seen this lady in need and thought, hey, he should do this. Um, it wasn't that he recognized that she had a need, just he was annoyed, right? And there's lots of times that we do stuff because we're annoyed. Uh, right or wrong, I'm, you keep asking me, I'm annoyed, I'll just do it, right? Um, it seems like one of those situations where you look at Paul and you say, Paul, I don't know about this guy. But there was a lot more happening in the background. See, at this time, Claudius, the emperor of Rome, had just expelled all Jews from Rome. And so Paul and Silas are there trying to spread the gospel and trying to keep a low profile while they do that because they are not supposed to be there. And just their presence alone could have them jailed. And so one of the things that they're trying to do is keep a low profile. They don't want a lot of attention. And so they're kind of trying to be slightly quiet about the way that things are going. They don't want to raise uh, a fuss. And so when this lady's following behind them and, and yelling that, hey, these men are servants of God and they're telling you how to be saved, it's doing the exact opposite of what they need to do in order to spread the gospel. There's another thing in play here too, right? This woman is earning a lot of money for her master. She is a slave woman. She does have this demon that allows her to tell uh, the future. And there are people in Rome at this time who are saying, hey, we'll give our money over to figure out what's going to happen. And so, hey, we all understand like when people lose out on money for whatever reason, that tends to sting a little bit harder. That hasn't changed over uh, all these years in life. When people lose money, they tend to be upset a little bit quicker. They tend to raise uh, arguments a little bit faster and, and, and they themselves become annoyed. So we're protecting against that as well. When it becomes an issue, isn't the first time the demon-possessed woman speaks to who they were and what they're doing. It's this repeated connection with her. Now, this is the thing you have to understand about Rome. It's kind of weird. They were anti-Jew, but they also looked at this type of fortune-telling uh, a lot in the same way that a lot of religious folks in the day would. Like, it was still frowned upon. It, they, they knew that there was something off about this woman, that she was able to do this. And so by her going around saying, hey, these are servants of God, and they're here to tell you how you can be saved, it's really cheapening their message because it's attaching to this woman that people don't really trust to begin with, right? 
And so Paul, eventually, he's trying to keep this little profile, and he's trying not to, to start a fight, and he doesn't want to be expelled from Rome because he's trying to spread the gospel, and so he's just trying to keep quiet, but she just won't stop. Day after day, she's following them everywhere they go. She's out, and so eventually, he's fed up with it, and he says, hey, no longer can I allow this to happen. It's not just because he was annoyed. It's not because he's trying to protect the money. Eventually, he decides this because he understands that the gospel is being damaged, and so he steps out to say, I'm not going to allow this to happen to the way that I believe in the things that I think are true. So he removes this demon. Paul removed the demon to protect the gospel, and he risked his own safety and his own comfort to put God first. In 1 Peter 3.14, we're told, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. James 4.17 so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. I'm going to read that again. Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Anybody ever get to that point where you're so frustrated, you feel like I'm trying to do the right thing all the time and I'm the one that's always making the sacrifices and I'm the one that's always bending over backwards to make others happy and I'm the one that's always doing this stuff. I'm trying to do the right thing and it just seems like nobody notices. I'm not being appreciated. There's no reward for it. Don't grow weary. Your reward is coming. See, when it feels like other people don't see the things that you do, the one person that does always is God. Always. Always. And so he will see what it is that you have chosen to do. He will see the right choices that you've made. And your reward, we are promised as Christians, is coming. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. See, we can't just spend time here at church listening to scripture, feeling good about what it says, understanding that it is truth, and not let it affect the way we live our lives. We can't just hear it. We have to let it influence what we do on our day-to-day -day basis. Can't just hear the word. We have to do the word. We have to be people who are performing the word. One thing we have to understand that we learn from Paul that we know is important is that we must defend the gospel. That is a responsibility as Christians we have. Paul found himself in prison on multiple occasions. It could have been avoided by his simple decision to stay quiet. We all, I think, at times maybe have faced punishment in life when, uh, hey, we could have avoided it if we just would have stayed quiet, if we just would have stayed out of it, if we just wouldn't have voiced our opinion, if we just would have stayed closed in, then, hey, the punishment never would have came. Hey, Phil, can you give me a I'm sorry to interrupt. I, I'm noticing that multiple people are freezing. I know there are some that are not, but can we turn the air up, just the heat up a little bit? Uh, sorry, guys, I'm obese, and therefore my thermometer is different. Uh, just let me know next time. <laughs> um, again, we can avoid trouble by just staying out of situations, but if it's not right for us to do that, if Christ's word and Christ's calling on our life implies that we should be involved, or is even telling us we feel that calling from the Holy Spirit, to be involved in whatever situation may arise. We have to do that. It's an idea that Jude believed to be true. In Jude chapter 1, verse 3, uh, only has one chapter, by the way, it says, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, 
I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. See, Jude's writing to this group of people who are being infiltrated by others who don't really appreciate the gospel message, who are claiming to be oppressed, who are claiming to be offended, who are claiming to be wrong by the fact that this church wanted to share the message and the love of Jesus Christ. Now, if we can't apply this to our world today, if we can't apply this to the situation that we as Christians are in, I don't know how to make it any more uh, clear for you. We're told to keep quiet in our schools. We're told to keep quiet in our workplaces, on social media platforms, in the political realm. If we share our opinions, we're prejudiced, we're small-minded, we're hate mongers, all because we share a belief different than those who don't believe the same thing. That's the case. It's not good for us, right? Being prejudiced, last time I checked, being called that, not a good thing. Not, not something you want used to describe you. Small-minded, also. Not top on the list of ways that I want people to know me. Hate-monger, just because I want to tell people that they are loved and that they can be forgiven, doesn't seem to quite match up. I can avoid being called all these names by just keeping it to myself. Right? I can believe in Christ and I can do what Christ says I should do, and I could be a Bible-believing, Bible-following person who in my day-to-day lives like Jesus would want me to live and just keep it to myself. And then I avoid all of this. We can't afford to do that. You know, one of the reasons that other religions don't face as much persecution, and I truly believe this, there's two reasons, okay? One... I believe because, and this is me, I'm just going to say it, take it how you want, you hate me for it, so be it. There's a lot less truth in other religions. I think that's one of the reasons they don't see as much hate. Because there's not as much truth in the word that they're saying, quite frankly, Satan doesn't have to fight as hard against it. But the second is because other religions are a lot more willing to fight for their rights and their beliefs and their stances. Right? They'll protest. They'll get on the news. They'll, they'll do whatever it takes. They'll do whatever it takes if you speak out against them. But Christians, for whatever reason, maybe we've been conditioned to be this way. We kind of draw back. Right? We don't want people to, to feel trampled on by us. I don't know what it is, but we as Christians, we in the Christian faith, we must become better advocates for Christ for the message of the gospel, and for what it means to be saved. In Matthew 5, 11 through 12, it says, Blessed are you when people insult you, when they persecute you, when they falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. See, we shouldn't be surprised, Okay, we shouldn't be discouraged by the fact that we're going to face opposition as Christians when we try to spread the gospel. It's been happening since day one. We're told to expect it. We're even told that we're blessed when that occurs. So in no way, shape, or form should we be discouraged by people opposing what we believe. We know that it's going to happen. I'm not advocating for us to unnecessarily cause dissension. Okay? I don't think that we need to grab a bullhorn and 
a little platform and carry it around everywhere we can when there's a big crowd and yell at people about how they're sinners and they're going to hell and turn or burn or whatever else negative awful thing that we can say to people. I'm not advocating for that. I'm not saying that you need to go into your workplace tomorrow and just say, everybody shut up, sit down and listen. I got something to tell you. Okay. Not suggesting that. Okay. If you have a student, I don't want your student to necessarily like go and, and grab the mic and force a prayer on the whole school so they get suspended. I'm not asking for these things. I'm not even saying that, but this is what I am saying. When the time comes, when the time comes that we either have the opportunity to share the gospel or the situation says, hey, we have to stand up and fight, we need to do it. Okay, I'm not saying that we go seek the fight, but I am saying that we be willing to fight when it's necessary. We have rights too. But even if we're trampled on for doing the right thing, we should be glad about that. We should rejoice in that. Because in the same way, the early church, the prophets, the apostles, the disciples, they were all faced with this same attitude and this same outlook. The last thing I need us to understand is this. To be like Paul is to be selfless. If we want to be like Paul, if, if, if we decide to become a Christian, you have to understand that that decision when truly understood, is one that's based on selflessness. Philippians 1.18-26 through 26 says, Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Now this is a, a second time that Paul is in prison writing to others. For I know that you, your prayers, and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me... Okay, let me start over. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but I will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If, I'm going, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy and faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Here is Paul in prison at an old age, near death, understanding that he could, in his despair, because let me, I don't think he's extremely happy at this point. He's been in prison for a while. It's not a comfortable place to be, even in that day and age. And he's fully recognizing, hey, I can choose to depart. I can go and I can be with Jesus, and that would be better for me. That would be better for me. But selflessly, because I know that the message still needs to be spread, because I know that you still need my encouragement and my service, I will choose as long as God lets me to live. I will put you first. I will put Christ first. First, the decision to be a Christian is making that proclamation that I will put Christ first. We pledge to live for Christ, to put our own desires behind us, to take up our cross daily and to follow him. In doing so, we find life in Christ. We find life in Christ. 
And eventually we do receive an eternal reward. That doesn't mean that it's not difficult. It doesn't mean that it's not a tough task. Paul recognizes that. He was imprisoned for the very task that I am encouraging you all to take up. You may find yourselves kicked out of school. You may find yourselves fired from a job. You may find yourselves out on the streets, all for choosing to live like Christ would want you to live. In the end, can you say to yourself that no matter what happens, it will be worth it? That no matter what happens, I won't just sit here and stay silent because that's what a good little Christian will do. We'll just believe and keep it to ourselves and stay quiet and not offend anybody and everything will be great. What choice are we going to make? What choice are we going to make? We can't just hear the word. We have to be doers of the word. See, Paul chose selflessness. Back to our original story where he ended up in jail because he removed the demon-possessed women. The end of that story is pretty amazing. Because Paul chose to stand up for what was right, because he chose to stand up for the gospel, because he chose to stand up for Christ, he ended up in prison. As he's in prison, it says that later that night, he and Silas, they were singing hymns. And the other prisoners there, they were listening. And then suddenly there was this large earthquake, like building shattering earthquake. And it released their shackles and it freed them. They could have literally got up and walked out of the prison. See, but them doing so would have mean that their jailer would have lost his life. And so they made the choice to be selfless. They made the choice to stay. Why? Because they knew that God would not want them to be the cause of someone's death. And so this, it talks about how the soldier, he's about to harm himself. He, he realizes they're gone. Of course they're gone. They're prisoners. They were freed. They ha- they, there's no way they're going to be here. And he, he decides, I, I'm going to end it. Because they're going to kill me, so I might as well go out on my own terms. At least that's what I'm thinking he's thinking. Until Paul calls out and says, hey, don't harm yourself. Says that he was, the the jailer, he was about to kill himself because he thought of the prisoners and thought that they had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. They all stayed. Later, it says that he then brought them out and he asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then he spoke the word to him and all of this, the jailer's house was saved. Think about that. Because Paul and Silas chose to do the right thing regardless of the reaction, knowing that the wrong reaction was actually what was going to come to them, knowing that they would be punished for following the will of God. Because they decided that, it led to the salvation of another human being. Not only did they literally save his life, his earthly life, but they gave him life beyond what he could ever possibly have imagined. We can do that. You can do that. You can be a part of spreading the gospel. When others say you should be quiet, when others say that you shouldn't, when others tell you to keep it to yourself, when others want you to be silent, you don't have to be. You can choose to do what's right. You don't just have to be people that hear the word, but you can be people that live the word out and that change the lives around you. When it comes down to it, we have to make that decision to say, regardless of what happens to me, I will live for Christ. 
Paul got to that place. The question is, can we? Will we? What choices will you make? My hope is that you will choose to defend the gospel regardless of what outcome may arise. My hope is that you will choose right because it is right, even if the consequences to that action towards you are wrong. Just because things don't turn out the way that we would like them to doesn't mean that we didn't do the right thing. If you choose right, the one thing that I can promise you, or at least the one thing I could say that I can tell you from my personal life experience is that when I've chosen right, regardless of what happened, and I've faced some not-so-good outcomes for doing the right thing, I have never once regretted it. Has it made life a little harder at times? Sure. Would it have been easier for me to just keep quiet? Yes. But at the end of the day, it's my true belief that you will never, ever regret living for the one true king. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. I ask that you give us all the courage to live our lives the way that you would want us to live our lives, that you give us the courage to do right even when uh, we may be punished for it because we do face those situations. Um, We're told all the time that we're not allowed to to share our faith and that uh, we shouldn't do that because it may offend others, but God, our faith is based out of love. And for us to truly believe what we say we believe, to, to understand that even the worst of sinners can be forgiven and, and can still find the love of the one true God, for us to, to know that, for us to live in that grace, we have to be people who share the gospel. And we have to be people who are willing to defend our faith even when it's not easy. And that does take courage. That does take a certain selflessness that isn't always easy to acquire. So God, I would pray that you help us, each as individuals, as a collective church, to just foster lives that that encourage people to do the right thing. That encourage people to have enough faith to say, I'll be okay no matter what. that will see a need and fill it because it's right. Help us to be people who in the end reflect the character of Christ, just like Paul did. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.